0: Uh, this interaction with the Samaritan woman um, is pretty profound. In fact, uh, what we talked about last week, this is probably the longest interaction that Jesus has with someone, or at least it's recorded in the Gospels, and, and particularly in John's Gospel. This is uh, one of his longest interactions, other than his disciples, and when he's teaching them and, and praying with them. Um, there's, it's, it's interesting because I, I want to just draw us back to chapter 3, um, we'll we'll probably never move out of chapter three. Uh, but I want to draw you back to chapter three because I want you to see the stark contrast of what's going on with the story of Nicodemus and the offer that Jesus gives Nicodemus, same offer he's giving to this woman. Same offer, new life. New life. All right? You want new life, you want new joy, you want fulfillment in your life, go get your husband. All right, and so what Jesus is doing here is he's he's drawing, all right, he's he's meddling in, in what she had, okay? That, that's what we used to say in the Pentecostal church. He, he meddling up in that, that issue she got, and he's exposing her for what's really going on uh, in her life. And so Jesus, uh, rejected by Nicodemus with the same offer, Jesus, uh, Nicodemus is confused and he doesn't get it. And so he's rejected by the Jewish people, rejected by Nicodemus. So what does Jesus do? He's like, all right, that's fine. You... Men who are religiously upright, y'all don't want nothing to do with this living water. I'll go find somebody who does want something to do with it. And the response that you'll see is incredible. The response is in contrast to Nicodemus's response. His response, confusion. I don't get it. What you're talking about? You've lost your mind. To now, this woman at the well. Her response is incredible. And. Her response should be our response. When Jesus exposes you for who you really are, your response is not to, as she immediately did, which is what we do. We deflect, we hide, we try to change the subject when somebody is trying to get at the core of our issue. Well, you really don't know why I did that. You don't know why I'm going through this. And so we try to deflect it with some kind of other issue that somebody else has. And we try to do all of these things instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to draw out of us that which needs to be drawn out of. And so finally her eyes are open to the truth of the gospel, and her response is incredible. Jesus says, Go get your husband, deals with the issue. And again, the question for you is, or not necessarily the question, but the, the 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 statement that Jesus has for you is go get your husband. Now I know some of you men like, yo man, I ain't got no husband. Okay. But the husband is the issue, all right? So Jesus isn't just saying, go get your husband to you men. He's saying, go get your issue because that's what he wants to deal with. So he deals with it with this woman and her response is powerful. John chapter four, verse 27. And we're going to read down through 42. Just then his disciples arrived And they were amazed that he was talking with the woman. Yet no one said, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her jar. Like, I I love that. I I would underline that. She left her jar, went into town, told the people, come see a man who told me everything I did. Could this be the Messiah? They left the town and made their way to him. In the meantime, the disciples kept urging him, Rabbi, you got to eat, man. But he said, I have food to eat that you don't even know about. You know, and, and rightly so, the disciples said to one another, Could someone have brought him something to eat? Like, somebody done got him a fish and fry or something. My, and Jesus said, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Jesus told them, Don't you say there's still four more months and then comes the harvest? So, so listen to what I'm telling you now, open up your eyes and look at the fields because they are ready for harvest. The reaper is already receiving pay and gathering fruit for eternal life. So the sower and reaper can rejoice together for in this case, the saying is true. One sows and other reaps. I sent you to reap what you didn't labor for. Others have labored and you've benefited from their labor. Now, the Samaritan from that town believed in him because of what the woman said when she testified. A little change of subject here. He told me everything I did. So, when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Many more believed of him, he said, of what he said. And they told the woman, We no longer believe because of what you said, since we have heard for ourselves and know that this really is the savior of the world. There's something so important that I want to draw out of this text for us this morning that I don't think that I want you to miss this and I don't I think Jesus is trying to communicate something to us and he doesn't want you to miss the reality of what's going on in this text. The first thing I got to get right into it because I got a lot of work to do is that Jesus noticed the neglected I don't want you to miss that. that Jesus noticed the neglected. Notice how Jesus goes from being rejected by his very own people to now taking this grand detour to going to find someone whom he knew would already be ready to accept this message of the living water. For a rabbi... This is crazy, y'all. All right, so Jesus considered rabbi, teacher is what he's called. And so a rabbi would never be caught talking to a woman. This would be just seen as, at worst, sexually promiscuous. For here, Jesus talking to a woman with nobody else around at this well. Like for the others that are probably watching on, they're probably thinking, uh-huh, See so y'all see that, Jesus. Look at him talking to that woman. I told y'all there's something crazy about that Jesus. Talking to old Deborah over there at that well. Again, I don't know her name. I'm just making names up as we go. Okay, that's not text, all right? But he's over there talking to old Sheila again. I think that's the name I used last week. Sheila, right? All right, Sheila. I I like that name. We'll go with that name. Not a Middle Eastern name. Very American. We'll give it to her because some of you think Jesus is white. So very uh, Sheila. Jesus over there, he's talking to Sheila again. Look at it. Ain't got no business talking to a woman. Now, women, hear me. In this culture, you aren't really looked great upon. I mean, especially as a rabbi talking to a woman, they have, and and the view for them, especially for the Jewish people, is that women did not have a place in the redemptive story and the mission of God. Don't miss that. This is why the disciples were so confused and they're just they're going right along with what was the contemporary thought of their day. Women had no 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 job. They had nothing to do with the redemption of Jesus Christ. But here Jesus is trying to draw us back to the beginning, the Genesis that both men and women were both created in the image of God. Amen. Jesus is drawing them back to this the biblical reality that women have a place in the mission of God in fact i would venture to say that the mission of God would be almost impossible if it not had been for women for women laboring for women praying for women teaching for women giving their lives up for the gospel of jesus christ and this behooves these disciples. It is crazy that a lot of these people were sitting there with their preconceived notions about the role of a woman. Get that woman back to work. Don't, don't be seen around here. Don't be talking to a woman, Jesus. Jesus is pushing the sexual biases of the time that he's living in, which is really crazy if you think about this in terms of the church today. How many people view the church as, well, the church, they, they don't like, their, uh, the church has a crazy view of women. No, 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 no. The church is the one that had the answer. The church is the one. Jesus is the one who first comes to the scene giving women hope. Jesus is the one saying to all the women, like, listen, you have, you have a part in this redemptive work, in this mission. And don't let any scum of a man tell you otherwise. I think about our context in our church and our community. I think about if our church didn't have some women up in here, like that's half of the worship team. That's our kids workers back there. That's uh, most of our outreach people. I mean, just thinking practically in our church, like that's, that's a lot of the work that we do here. I think that what we do here would be impossible. I mean, celebrate recovery really wouldn't be happening right now. I think about the work of Refuge Point. We, it would be nearly impossible had it not been for some woman, women empowered by the Holy Spirit who recognize that they have a place in the mission of God. And these disciples are just, they're, they're, a, little, they're a little wigged out by this. Here goes Jesus talking to a woman, y'all. So they think that Jesus is probably uh, because of his, uh, he's been depraved of food, he's been lost his mind. Jesus, why don't you eat this burger real quick? It may, may help you realize that you're talking to a woman. The message is, is incredible. The disciples see this Samaritan woman as a threat and as an outcast to the mission of God, but Jesus sees her as a friend and an ally in the mission of God. Amen. Not only is it incredible, the, uh, what is being spoken here from this text, not just a woman, but she's a Samaritan woman. And I think I've, I've, I've hounded on this good enough last week, but Jews didn't really mix well with these guys. These guys were half-breed people, um, they got some philosophical issues, differences with the Jews. Uh, there's just so many things. I mean, there's, the tension was so thick that you could just literally cut it with a knife. There's so much racial tension going on. And Jesus is like, okay, so if you Jews don't want to experience this living water, then I'll go to the people who you have placed on the margins of society, and I'll go to them, Amen. and I'll place them within the margins yeah. of society. I, it's hard to communicate this, uh, especially some of us who are young. We didn't really grow up in the Jim Crow era. And so we were here experiencing the racial tension between uh, our, our black brothers and sisters with uh, the racial uh, oppression that our uh, the white people were giving them. And, and that's kind of hard to imagine because we've been so removed. So I thought, what could we relate this to today today? And, and trying not to create another space saver of a sermon, because we, we got plenty of room in here, right? Uh, I thought about the issue of immigration and the issue of immigrants and the children. I thought about them. Now, I'm not trying to politicize this sermon. Please don't hear that. If you're hearing a political sermon, you're not hearing it with the right lenses. Amen. I'm just talking about children who are trying to have a life all right, let's remove the uh, crazy social media uh, posts that you see about this. Remove the uh, political debate that's going on about it. And let's just view it through the lens that there are children right now on the southern border who are in need of a church to stand with them and give them resources that they need. Amen. I thought about them because I think, here, here's what Jesus didn't ask her. He's like, all right, uh, Sheila, are you, are you an American Oh, then I can't talk to you, honey. Oh, are you a Democrat? Oh, I can't talk to you. You may give me a disease or something. Oh, are you a Republican? Oh, I can't talk to you either. He doesn't go through this list of different, um, like he's trying to figure her out and her background her ethnicity out first. He goes to her because she is outside of the margins of society. She is neglected. And here's what I think. And again, this is outside of the Bible. So I'm just, I'm going to step over here because this is just me giving you my opinion on this. If Jesus were living in the U.S. today, I know where Jesus would be. Because I know he wouldn't be with us who proclaim Christianity, who say we're Christians, who just want to say it just so people will shut up but yet we live this nominal, apathetic lifestyle. He would go down to the southern border. He would go down because that's where the outcasts are. That's where the neglected is. Do you want to find Jesus in your community today? Then go where the neglected are. If you want to see Jesus in a tangible way, you want to experience the life and the living water of Jesus, then go find the neglected. Because that, that's where Jesus is. And that's where Jesus is urging the Church of America to go. Stop living in your nominal, in your apathetic bubble. I go to church once a month, or I go to church, and I'm not saying church makes you saved, but we, we say, well, I checked this off my list, and I think that's made me right with the Lord I said this little prayer 14 years ago. And we think that's it. That is not what Jesus is after. He's after your whole heart. Notice Jesus, when he's pursuing after this woman, he's going at the core of her issue. And the response is, you've gone after my heart, and now I want this living water and this is incredible because look at verse 39 because I don't want you to miss this either because I need to move on, all right? we I don't need to offend anybody uh, up in here this morning. Verse 39, look what it says. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of what? Can y'all read? Can y'all read? The woman's testimony. Did y'all catch that? Many people believe because of what? Her story. Out of her brokenness, God uses this to bring people to Him. Don't miss this now. Jesus is healing her, and He uses the brokenness that she has to bring healing to other people. What's your story? Notice, because this is crazy, she goes from hiding, she goes from changing the subject. I mean, she's trying to avoid the issue. From just, what I believe, just hours later, she's now using this very story that she was trying to cover up. She's using this very story that she was trying to suppress and trying to hide. This brokenness of hers, she's using her brokenness to be the story of redemption. Amen. God is using her story for his mission. Yes. And God wants to use your brokenness for his mission. Jesus wasn't like, look how great this girl is. Look how gifted she is. Like, let me display all of her gifts. Let me display her greatness. That's not the mission of God. The mission of God, rather, is to display your brokenness so that you can see his glory. What is your story? It doesn't matter if God saved you at five years old. You never did anything wrong. Like, and I'm not saying you were perfect, but, but your story is that God saved you at a young age and he redeemed you from many things of this world. That's perhaps the most powerful and mind-blowing story anyone could ever have. And it doesn't matter either if your story is like this of this woman who is, continues to draw from this well of sand trying to find satisfaction. It doesn't matter what your story is. God has given you a story. Not that you can suppress and keep it to yourself. God has given you a story, my friends, to share. Because out of your brokenness, healing comes. And perhaps someone needs to hear your story just so they can be healed. You know how powerful it is? The power of confession when somebody says, well, I've gone through this and someone shares their story. I mean, there's nothing more powerful for, than me than to hear you guys' story. And especially when you share it, how God has literally like taken you out of the pits of hell and placed you where you are today. It's insane how God has saved you. And the power of it is, is that you begin to see other people say, you know what, that's similar to my story. And now the strength comes within them for them to now share their story. It's like this tipping point. One person shares their story, then another shares their story, and now they've got the courage to share their story. And so look at what happens. She simply goes from shame, hiding, being neglected. I'm not good enough. I'm a terrible person everybody hates me from now this woman with a mission who is sharing her story of what Christ has done y'all Christ exposed me for who I am and now I've experienced this living water she goes from Jesus telling her to go get your husband and now she has moved into I gotta go get the people you see that from go get the issue, deal with the issue, from now, I got to go get the people. Might that be a lesson for us, church? When we allow the Holy Spirit to do a work in our lives, it compels us to go on a mission to gather everyone around us. When you get excited about what Christ has done for you, you have no other choice but to go out to where the neglected people are. Go out to your neighborhoods and tell them, come see a man who's told me everything there was about me. He's giving me this living water. I love now how the Bible says she left her jar there. She left her Pot, her water pot there. And this speaks volumes to me that she now had experienced Christ's living water, and now it's bubbling and it's about to explode, it's about to spill over. She goes from drawing this physical water, trying to find satisfaction with men. And I don't know if if she's going through some sexual issues or if she herself has been abused. We don't know. We just know she's been broken. And so she goes from being broken, trying to hide. Now she's got this living water inside of her, spilling over to the people around us. And all the disciples are worried about Jesus, you need to eat, bro. got the fish and chips man i mean that's not true but um you know they're always eating fish and bread you know and they they uh (laughs) they're more concerned about their own agenda than jesus's agenda i I need us to hear that one more time if i can get a little charismatic on us this morning We can never be more concerned with our agenda. In other words, they were more concerned about tasks instead of being more concerned about the task giver, Jesus Christ. We cannot miss that as a church. Jesus is trying to show us like we can be so consumed with things to do. We got to do more ministry. We got to do this. We got to do that. We got to do this. We got to do that. And Jesus says, it, the, "Clearly, a message for us today is here. Don't get so consumed with your own agenda that you miss the reality of a revival happening." So Jesus gets his boys, and he and he teaches them. All right, I love Jesus doesn't rebuke them necessarily. It's gentle rebuke. Jesus tells them, "And and here's what. Here's what I believe." They, Jesus goes down or, or they come up to Jesus and I think in my mind here's what I would love to think happens okay again this is Matthew talking when Jesus says look up harvest is ripe man I would just love to think that all these people that this woman told about her story are now on the horizon. And Jesus tells his disciples, he says, "Look up. The harvest is there. It's not in the context in which you thought it would be in Jerusalem. Not just there. Boys, I need you to look up because it's everywhere." Amen. Jesus is drawing their attention and he says to them, "Look up because here's a harvest go get the people. He's teaching them this this lesson here. Now, I love love how they respond because we don't need to miss this either. The response of the Samaritan people, the outcast, the people that nobody in Jerusalem liked. They looked down upon uh, these people. The woman goes and tells them, And she immediately goes and tells them she didn't stop at the local cemetery, I mean, seminary. She didn't stop and go get discipleship training, which all those things are great. Like, you need to go get discipleship training if you're going to seminary. Like, praise God, do that. But notice how she didn't have to feel, have this feeling from Jesus. Jesus didn't like, hey, I need you to go get trained first, then go tell people about your story. Like, a lot of us feel insignificant in sharing our faith or sharing about our story. Listen, honey, just share it. I mean, this woman is just vomiting of the mouth her story. Like, y'all, he read my book. He read my mail, y'all. He told me about all these five husbands. He told me about this one man that I'm shacking up with. How did he know this? Like, she didn't go to, like, some training seminar to try to, how to figure out how to share her faith. Like, she goes, and the people are like, this is Amazing. Like, we've got to meet this Jesus. So they go and meet Jesus, and I love what they ask him. They, and again, I love to, I love to like try to narrate the story of what's not being said. Of course, we don't know what's not being said, but in my mind, what I think is not being said is that, hey, Jesus, teach me some theological deep meaning of eschatology. Teach me more about the sign gifts that are about to come, Jesus. They didn't ask him deep. Questions Again, nothing wrong with questions. Nothing wrong with theological questions. I ask them all the time. Nothing wrong with that. But the moment they encounter Jesus, I need you to get this church. They say, Jesus, will you stay with me? That's the difference between the religious elite. That's the difference between, Like, how did these Jews, uh, how did they miss it? Perhaps it's because they were more consumed with their religious ceremonies. And they miss the incredible presence of Jesus standing right before their eyes. And the people who were no good for nothing, the people who were broken, the people who had been neglected, the people who, they just had their theology wrong, the people who were looked as low-down dogs, they get it. And they get it because they ask Jesus, would you stay here with us? There's this yearning and longing within their souls to taste and to drink from this same living water that this woman at the well had drank from. And they're saying to Jesus, I need this living water. Stay with me here, Jesus. And again, I don't mean to beat a dead horse, but might that be a lesson for us, church? Oh, that we be a church That would be a church that would be longing for the presence of Jesus Christ. And our prayers would be, Jesus, stay here with us. Do not leave. I've got to have you here, the psalmist would say, as the deer pants for the living water, so my soul yearns. This isn't some cute little Bambi with his tongue hanging out his mouth. Like, I need a sip of water. This is the image of a deer dehydrated, about to die, saying, I've got to have the living water. May we be a church like the deer who is longing for this living water. Jesus, do not leave us. Stay. We need your presence, God, not to leave us. Stay here. People may come and people may leave you. Jesus will never leave you. Amen. He has come to you, the neglected. And He has called you to go get your husband. And that draws and that swells up inside of us to go share our story to go get the people. The message is clear for us here. And so, and so they get in this little, again, this, you know, they say four months, like don't, don't worry about who's sowing or who's reaping. Again, it's this, this question that goes back to the beginning of chapter four where there was this argument about uh, the ritual rites of baptism. All right, and so Jesus is... G- here again, like some of y'all say, you get to read. Like, like, don't worry about who's the one sowing or who's the one reaping. Like, you do what God has called you to do. Like, God has gifted you and enabled you to be on mission. It's not just for men, it's not just for the American elites of our society, it's for the neglected. And God has given each of you, church, a gift. What is that gift? I can go ahead and tell you one of your gifts is your story that God has given you. And that story that God has given you, He has called you to go share that story. Go to the nations, go to your neighborhoods, go to the community, go to the people and go bring them in. Go get the harvest. Church, look up. Not everybody's on vacation. Look up, there's a harvest all around us. What are you doing with your story? Are you like the Jews? Neglect Jesus, they reject him? Or are you like the Samaritans? You're longing, let Jesus stay. Be here with me now, God, don't leave. I need your presence here, God. In your presence, there's freedom and fullness of joy. In your presence, there's salvation, there's life, there's joy, there's fulfillment. This is that living water. Are you yearning for the living water? There are people who need the living water, church. What are you doing about it? What are we doing about it? Got to go get the people. Like a few weeks ago, I, I, I talked about our role in all of this and and I love how one of a, uh, another scripture, Jesus talks about the harvest, and he says, listen, I, I've got a prayer, and my prayer is this, that we need some workers. I, I know some of you feel insignificant. I know some of you feel like you're not worthy. I know I, I get it because there are times where I, get, I feel that. Listen, you have a part to play in this. That's, he, again, the prayer needs some harvest hands. Need some workers. Where are my laborers at? Like, church, practically, we need some laborers. Like, it's not just Miss Beth who's doing kids. Like, we need laborers back there. Laborers to preach the gospel to our children. We need laborers in the ministries of this church. We need laborers to go get the people. We need laborers to go share their story. Like we need laborers to uh, teach our high school and junior high students. We need laborers when college students come back into town. We're going to need laborers for them. We need to do people who are willing to do ministry for them. Jesus is calling. Where are the laborers? Where are the harvest hands? Like my call to you and my. And, and I. I'm, I'm going to end this a little differently than than how we normally end this. But my. My call to you would be, go back to your home. If you're single or if you got a family, whatever that is, like go back to your home and have that family talk, like how can we join the mission of God? You have, like we just read that you have no excuse. This lady had more excuses than you did. But my my challenge to you would be to go to your house, get your family, or, or maybe just by yourself, just think through, like, how can I further the mission of God? Because God has equipped you with a story to share. Church, go get the people. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for mission that you have here and that you've called us into. May we never grow weary. May we never grow weary, Lord, even though it feels like sometimes we're just fighting an uphill battle in our community, God. I, I pray for strength in our church. I pray, God, that, that um, you would just make your strength known to us in our weaknesses, where we feel inadequate, where we feel weak. That, Holy Spirit, you would uh, rejuvenate us with your joy, God. That you would uh, overpower us, Lord, with your spirit. Because not by anything we can do, we're just going to be all because of you. Like, you're in charge of all of this. You are sovereign all over all of this, God. And my prayer for us here, that we would move from the sidelines and become active in the mission of God as a church. We love you in Jesus' name.